2: And John McMullen.
0: Uh, Here we go, here we go.
2: Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365.
3: And a good morning, Birds fans. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, here with you on a hump day edition of uh, Birds 365, show number 366. We start on our next grouping of 300 and uh, 350.
4: 365. We got uh, to get to 1,365 before we have that in the title again.
3: Oh, shoot. I didn't even think of it that yeah. way. Yeah. That sounds like a long way off. McMahon. That's Will a, you...
4: that's a, that's a ways. We'll get
3: there. <laughs> I don't we'll even be... know if I'm going to still be upright at that time. <laughs> hey, I'm upright today. My 30 plus year old alarm worked. No problems whatsoever. Even though I was on the air talking to Eagles fans till two o'clock in the morning last night on WIP. I am ready to roll. And I want to get your take on this, Johnny Mac. And my pal John Johnson put it to me this way when we did our crossover last night. More than 24 hours removed because when you're in the you're in the moment, uh, you as a reporter at the game need to keep emotion out of it. But you're surrounded by it in the stadium and you can feel the the pulse of uh, the link. Now that you take the emotion out of it, it's less so for a guy like yourself than it is just a regular fan, but you can't completely avoid it either. Any less impressive their beatdown of the Minnesota Vikings than it was when you and I were here 24 hours ago?
4: No, it was an impressive win. Um, You know, I never get too high and never get too low. I wasn't too low after the Lions game. I understood the environment. I understand the environment from the other perspective, so I don't get too high. I thought it was, a you know, when you look at it, with with the other team's glasses on, you, you start to say, All right, I thought that was a bad game plan, uh, and I thought the Eagles took advantage of it. Um playing on the road, as we said, which I made a big deal out of in Detroit, but you know, and it was a big deal. Um you, you know, you start to look at it, but they didn't play well. So to me it was like this you know two ships passing in the night the eagles played well and they didn't play well so you know if you if, if two teams play well then you say you generally don't have blowouts and routes like that um so you look at it from both sides of the spectrum but i thought from the eagles perspective look i thought jg had a great game plan i re-watched the game um, he took advantage of Garrett Bradbury, which I talked about all week. That was what the, the, the extra aggression was about. It was right up the middle almost all the time when he sent zero blitzes. And that's like, that's like looking at your opponent and saying, this guy we can take advantage of, and they did. Um, so I think, you know, fans get caught up in that. We always talk about the aggression. Well, you know, every week isn't like that. The week before, you had Frank Ragnow it Was one of the best centers, even though he's banged up. So you can't do that. So to me, that kind of stuff is impressive. You're like looking at your opponent saying, boom, that's it. That's the weakness. Let's go get it. And the Eagles did a tremendous job with it. And then offensively, same type of thing. You know, you're practicing against the same coverage scheme week in and week out. So you know the ins and outs of it. You know the weaknesses. I think the Eagles guessed correctly. They're going to make the quarterback beat them from the pocket. And they had a good plan. They had a good plan for it. So I think the coaching staff did a wonderful job. Uh, both sides, um, special teams maybe not as much. Um, and I thought it was an impressive performance. That hasn't changed.
3: And good, good on the Eagle coaching staff for handling their business the way they did. Um, I'll say this about Eagles fans while I say it about the 31 other fan bases in the National Football League. After a game is played, most people decide the game was played this way because of what my team did. Yeah, they they don't factor the opponent in. Exactly if the if the home team plays well, we won handily because we're great. If the home team gets beat or doesn't play as well as expectation, well, we played badly because well, we stink, or we're not good enough, or we have to improve in this area. They never factor in the opponent. Now, for me, oftentimes, I over-factor in the opponent. Like week one, I didn't think Lions were going to be able to stay on the field with the Eagles. I just didn't think they had enough talent to go mano a mano with the Eagles, and they did. I undervalued the Detroit Lions coming into the game. In this past game against Minnesota, Yeah, maybe I overvalued the Minnesota Vikings. Maybe I did give their offense a little bit more credit than deserved. I think it's hard to not give Justin Jefferson credit. And Dalvin Cook's a pretty damn good player. You know my feelings about Kirk Cousins. He is the living definition of an average quarterback in the National Football League. And that's why I picked the Eagles to win. I just didn't have them winning as handily as they did. And the defense playing as well as they did. Yeah, the... You need to have a balance. When you're evaluating a game, you should use it before the game is played, but then you definitely have to use it after the game is played. It's not always about the hometown team. There is another team out there on the field, and they have a lot to say about the outcome of any given game.
4: Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, in, in the case of, of, of Gannon, you know, he's kind of stressed that and, and people kind of snicker and laugh and he says it changes from week to week, but it does. It does. I, and, 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 he, and he deserves credit for it. Now you can argue, all right, well, you know, you, you look at certain players, Jefferson's a perfect example. You know, you could, play it safe or you could do what the Eagles did and say, all right, I got to weigh this um, and say, I have a really good corner. Maybe I can leave them on the Island at times against a great receiver because they have such a weakness in the interior of their offensive line. I'm going to get home. You know, you're going to get home. Look, if you're playing Jason Kelsey, to give Eagles fans an example, you're not going to say that you're not going to say I'm going to, I'm going to leave my great corner on an Island because I can get home with an interior blitz. You're not going to say that. If you do say that, you're going to get beat. Right. Um, so it, 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 it really is, uh, opponent dependent from week to week. And, you know, you'll have a new set of challenges, uh, with the Washington commanders and, um, I think it'll be um, a little bit more difficult because I think division rivals sort of understand each other. Uh, They're so used to playing each other a little bit better, and they'll have a better grasp of what Nick Sirianni is trying to accomplish offensively. So even though they have some issues, they lost their center. They have a good center, by the way, Uh, but he's gone on short-term injured reserve. Uh, So they're going to have some issues from that perspective. Chase Young's not there, so their defense has been struggling. But I think they'll have a better feel for what the Eagles do and what the Eagles want to do and what the Eagles do well.
3: We just gave credit, rightfully so, to Jonathan Gannon, had an outstanding game plan uh, coming in against the Vikings and implemented it uh, damn close to perfection. On the other side of the ball, I think we got to give a big nod to Shane Steichen. I think he's getting less uh, credit praise whatever word you want to use to describe it then maybe he deserves because here on birds 365 and for me 30 plus years on wip every single year that i've been on the radio at the time the run pass ratio what's the run pass ratio the eagles need to do this the eagles need <laughs> to do that it is always a topic i would to-
4: I, I would if i had to do your job jody i would have I would have off myself long ago That people keep talking about run-pass ratio in it 2020, has, where are we, 2022? 2022.
3: 2022, and yeah. oh, by the way, when I got here in 1990, they were talking about run-pass ratio. Um, so it hasn't changed. Shane Steichen has struck pretty close to the perfect balance in the first two games. And people sung the praises of the Eagles last year. Little did we know Shane Steichen had more to do with it than we thought when the head coach turned over the play calling responsibilities to him. Uh, But right now the Philadelphia Eagles, despite the fact that they got AJ Brown, despite the fact that Jalen threw, him, threw, threw it to him 122 times the first week of the season, um, They're still number one in the NFC, rushing the football, yards per game. Numero uno. Now, a lot of that has to do with their very able running quarterback, but that counts as a rushing play. They're number one in uh, the run, and they're number two overall behind only. Carson Wentz and the Washington uh, Commanders when it comes to total yards through the air. Carson number one, Eagles number two. He, who can possibly complain about the balance that the Eagles have shown these first two weeks, Johnny Mack? Well when they need we, to run it, we, they run you, it. You, when we, they need to pass it, they pass.
4: Yeah. Well, it you know, I I think Shane has done a good job. And here's where I'm going to temper things, and people are going to get upset. Look, they 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 played very well against two probably gonna end up bottom third of the league defenses. All right, that's number one. Um, at some point they're gonna, and I can't tell you when, but at some point they're gonna see a, a good defense, and that'll. No, be no, no. Out. All
3: right. Well, I'm gonna hold your head, feet to the fire. Here. When is that happening?
4: Well, it's a good question. I'd have to pull up the schedule, and yeah. I'll do that. But uh, you know they have an easy schedule, so maybe it doesn't happen, Jody. But whether, whenever it happens, when it comes, it might come in the playoffs. It's gonna. be We saw it with Tampa Bay. Look, our buddy Jeff Carr just tweeted out this morning i'll give jeff uh host of uh good morning nfc east a little plug he just pointed out the last five games for jalen hurts put up these amazing statistics you know how successful oh you missed one jeff though you missed oh, one
3: only talking regular season yes
4: huh? only talking regular season you missed one and todd bowles shut this offense down and shuts jalen fair. hurts down and he shut him down dramatically look but uh, I'm there's not a I think people forget you know, and 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 that's why you know and we talk about statistics and you can put value on one statistic more than another statistic, um, they're all skewed because you only face a certain number of really good teams that can give you an impact and and you tend to bloat those statistics when you're playing uh, a little bit lesser competition and you know maybe I'm wrong, but I think, as I said, Detroit and Minnesota are going to end up bottom third in the league in defense. We'll see if that shakes out. If they don't, maybe it looks more impressive down, down the road. I, I will say from the perspective of when you're putting up whatever it is, 470, 480 yards, but the Eagles have been playing, you know, when you're ahead 17, it's easy to keep that balance, you know, if you're down 17, if you get into a game when you're down 17, you're not going to have that balance. You you saw it again, put on look at it from the other team's perspective. You know, one of the things Detroit did well, and the Eagles acknowledge this, when they were down 17, they didn't abandon the running game. The Eagles expected them to, but they didn't abandon the running game. Uh, and, and the Eagles got kind of uh, gashed a little bit by it. Um, Minnesota did exactly as expected. They abandoned the running game when they got behind. And it becomes easier when a team is one-dimensional and you see the Eagles teeing off and everybody loves it and the aggression. So you have to look at it under the perspective. Everybody looks good when you're playing from the lead, Jody. The, the difficult part is when you got to come back when you're down, when you're down two scores, um, you know, look at your guy to in Miami. When you're down, can you come back? Can the Eagles win that type of game? I don't know if the Eagles can. win. Right. That we don't know
3: yet. You can't yeah. say they can't. No, I can't you, say they no, can't. Nor can you say, Oh, they'll be able to come back. For me. Yeah. Right. That's it. That is still a, to be determined, but uh, further your point, And again, that's two games. We're, we're, we're trying to put a specific emphasis on something that is two games deep. We've just stated that we can't say with certainty that the Eagles will be a comfort buying team, or not. Yes or no. We don't know. And I don't want to overjudge the first two games, but the barometer is the barometer. If you want to factor in what kind of a defense they were, how much they had to turn the roster over. Stop me when you see a team that the Eagles are playing this year. The best defense is the NFL, at least yardage wise, in the first two weeks of the season. 49ers? No. Bills? No. Broncos? No. Patriots? No. Bucks, I told you yesterday. The Bucks defense, if you look at all the teams in the NFC, their offensive side, their defensive side, the best unit might be the Bucks defense. So that's the first one. And yes, the Eagles may have to play them again. We know it's not going to come till January, uh but they may have to play them again at some point. Dallas's defense is sixth in the NFL right now.
4: Well, Micah Parsons, yeah, Yeah, Micah's going to be, Micah, Micah, and Trayvon Diggs and Demarcus Lawrence. So, I mean, Demarcus usually struggles against Lane Johnson. Everybody tends to struggle against Lane Johnson, but they have, they have splash players. They have players that can make plays on defense and, you know, Micah Parsons might be the best defensive player in football. Um. And I, you know, I, I shouldn't say that because Aaron Donald still exists, but I, I should put Aaron Donald off into a corner. Yeah, it, he's
3: it, back seven of the yeah. of the back seven in the NFL. Yeah. He's the best player.
4: Uh, He's really good is the point I'm trying to make. And yeah, he'll be a guy that will certainly be a test. Um, and you see him if you watch the guy, it's amazing. The impact he can have on a game. Um, so there'll be tests and, and, and there might even be tests that you don't envision teams get better, teams um right. as the season goes on. It is still a short sample size to just assume everybody's good, assume everybody's bad after two games. I think the Giants will be a clear indication of that. Um I still don't think they're gonna be a good team. Um, and Brian Dayball deserves credit for getting them over the hump uh twice early in the season, but I'm not going to buy into that for, as an example. Um, so look that they, they're playing well and, you know, it's time. It, it's, it's time to say, can this team be a significant contender? And I think they can. Um, and by that, I don't mean NFC East. I mean, NFC title, um, but there's a long way to go. Um, and, and, you know, I keep looking at this window. I'm going to jump way ahead, Jody, because we've talked about this window since the offseason. Because if Jalen Hurts keeps playing like this, I mean, forget about your theory of him playing out next year. That's not going to work. Uh, he's going to want some kind of an extension. And then the clock starts. Um, and And Russell Wilson is the best example of this, you know. It becomes more difficult to to build up the rest of the roster when you have to pay the quarterback. So, you know, one of the things we talked about, Howie Roseman's offseason, his ability to bring in all these different players, that changes uh, when you have to pay the quarterback. So, you got to take advantage of this short window um, and 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 try to make a run. And I think the potential is there.
3: Is there for this year? But uh, let me give you one more. We don't really know yet. We've already thrown a couple of those out there. Um, the Eagles, under Jeffrey Lurie's ownership, under Harry Roseman's general managership, have been able to get their quarterback deals done when they wanted or needed to get their quarterback deals done. But we've got a whole new ball game here, and his name is Deshaun Watson, who the Philadelphia Eagles wanted in the worst way and just couldn't get, to convince him to come here to Philadelphia. But he's kind of thrown everything into a tizzy. You know, Bashadi is willing to pay down there in Baltimore. You know, they like Lamar Jackson down there in Baltimore. Why shouldn't they? He was great in a loss just this past Sunday against Baltimore. They can't get a deal done. Why? Because they don't want to reproduce the Deshaun Watson contract. And Lamar's drawing his uh, line in the sand and saying, Oh no! I'm every bit the player Deshaun Watson is, and I haven't assaulted anybody, sexually assaulted anybody. You better believe I want every last guaranteed dollar that he got. And the Ravens haven't been able to get that contract done. We don't know how Howie Roseman and and Jeff Flory are going to deal with uh, uh, Jalen Hurts if he says, "Yeah, I'm going to kind of need 220 of that uh, 240 million dollars guaranteed." Uh, I, uh, I'm I, going to need that same exact thing because what Deshaun Watson, because by the end of the year, we'll know Deshaun Watson has come in and went, how many games is he going to play? He's sitting 13? So he's going to play 14, <laughs> 15, 16, 17. He's going to come in and go two and two, and the Browns are going to finish seven and 10, and it's yeah. going to have all gone for Norton year number one. And then Deshaun's uh, uh, Jalen's going to have a sit down and go, oh, yeah, I'm more important to the Philadelphia Eagles than Deshaun Watson is to the Cleveland Browns. So let's start our negotiation there and go from uh, that on. Yeah, it's
4: going to be very difficult. It's a very short window, and you have to take advantage of it. And you look at it from that perspective, Jody. You know, the NFC East is bad. The NFC isn't as good as the AFC. The stars are aligned. Got to take advantage of this short window.
3: And the Philadelphia Eagles are one of only six teams in the NFL that are 2-0. We're, we're only two weeks into the season. We've already cut it down from 32 to 6. I know mm-hmm. week one, we have to cut it from 32 to 16. Actually, we cut it from 32 to 15 because two teams tied. Uh, but we are down to just six teams that are 2-0. and And one of them is the Philadelphia Eagles. Our next guest is jumping in to talk about the birds with us. You listen to him when you go down the shore. From 973 ESPN The Sports Bash, Mike Gill gonna jump aboard here on Birds 365.
5: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes.
3: Mac McMullen and McDonald here with you on Bird's 365. We are joined by our short contributor. He's got his hands on the uh, finger of the pulse of Eagles as much as anybody else, even though he gets sand in his shoes. We appreciate whenever Mike (laughs) Gill jumps aboard with us here on Bird's 365. All right, MG, I'm going to hit you with an easy one to start. The thing that impressed you most about the Philadelphia Eagles victory over the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night was what?
10: I mean, it's hard not to say the way Jalen Hurts played, right? I mean, that's pretty easy. But I gotta—I guess I'll be a little off base here and go. I, I thought the defense, John Gannon's defense, who's more criticized than John Gannon? I think he is overtaken. You guys are wrestling, guys. I mean, John Gannon has gone off the top of the the top rope and just elbow smashed Howie Roseman in terms of hatred in this town. Yeah, so, Gannon defense. Um he made a heel turn man he he is now yeah. uh for at least one week I thought he had maybe the most impressive night uh they sent pressure at times when they generally don't they sent it from places where um you know you don't see them up the middle a lot they had TJ yeah. Edwards coming on the blitz I thought they designed and hid that pretty well I have been begging I said listen you got Darius Slay Um, you got James Bradbury, you got Avante Maddox. Those are three guys you should trust, send guys and trust those guys. And for one week he did it. So I'll go John Gannon is my, uh, top of the pie. Now,
4: and and I agree with you. I was just talking about that with Jody. I think he put together an excellent game plan for the opponent. Now that you just voiced one of my concerns, Mike. He, he did. He he brought pressure up the middle way more than he usually does, and that's because of the other side. You don't get Garrett Bradbury every week. Now, since he is coming, to, I talked about it on your show. You probably, people are probably sick of me. I, I mentioned this guy can't pass block. He's been in the league for, uh, this is his fourth year. He's been either the worst or the second worst pass blocking center in pro football by Pro Football Focus. He can't pass block. Jonathan Gannon knew that, saw that, took advantage of it. My concern is that people expect him to do that every week because yeah. if you do it against a good center, you're going to get stoned. And all of a sudden, your corner's out there on an island. Then you have some issues. The yeah. And I guess I understand so- that.
10: A question that I would have moving forward is okay, you showed that you can do this. You showed that you can dial one up, not all the time, but in spots. I mean, it's third down, down in the goal line, red zone area, 24 to seven. You can have a little bit more chutzpah, but he sends a little pressure. The next uh, evolution would be when am I going to see Hassan Reddick just rip off the, you know, and just go? When when is he going to get on the edge? And just be able to take off after the quarterback. I don't know that we've really seen a game or a series or even a play where he has just stood up. I'm coming after you. Here I come. And and I think that would be the next kind of wrinkle that they really should try to add. Then you can have where's Reddick? Are they going to come up the middle? Avante Maddox? Am I getting a corner blitz? Like you've got to start to add. and, And, you know, I think we take for granted sometimes. That these coaches are going to show everything in the playbook every single week. They gotta try to well, like
4: that's yeah. Now that to follow up on that, week one, you had uh, Decker and Sewell. Week two, you had O'Neal and Darasaw. So that was a strength for each team. The, uh, the edge that affects Hassan Reddick. As you move forward, you know, Washington this week, it's Charles Leno and Sam Cosme. Not as good. Maybe, maybe that's in the game plan this week for Hassan Raddick. That's what it a like lot. Jody was saying, I agree with him here, and I want your thought on this, Mike. A lot of bands don't look at the other team when they look at game planning's about the other team. Right. If you're if you're gonna bang your head on the wall against Brian O'Neill, well, you're banging your head on the wall. So you take advantage of Garrett Bradbury. Right. That's oh. smart. This was,
10: this was really the story of the the two tales of these two teams is, well, Minnesota's got better skill players than Detroit does. Well, Detroit's better up front than Minnesota yes, is. So exactly. it kind of – you know, you look at and, – and I talked about this yesterday is you look at the Eagles' schedule. They're not going to be an underdog maybe the rest of the year. I, I mean, I can't find a game maybe at Arizona in a couple of weeks. But other than that – Maybe at Dallas, if Dallas gets Dak back and they're playing well. But how many games are they going to be an underdog? Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win every single game. What it says is some of these teams, even though they're not better than you talent-wise, match up better with you. The matchups are there where they can kind of give you issues. If you have a team that's strong on the tackles and the Eagles can't get their pass rush with the four, they don't like the blitz, there is a team that could, even though they're not better than you, give you a challenge. Those are the type of things. Now, why Reddick, you know, did get some stand-up rushes. That's not something that they kind of focused on, on this week because they know, as you said, John, that's not where the matchups were for them. So now I'd like to see them kind of peel the onion, another layer as they don't have to face tackles who are as astute moving forward here. So yes, the matchups hopefully dictate some of the way they game plan week in and week out, which shouldn't be the same
3: while we give Jonathan Gannon credit for pushing all the right buttons on Monday night. And he did. Uh, I said with John for a segment and you got to give the same credit to Shane Steichen, maybe more so because he had two good weeks. Gannon's had one bad, one outstanding. Shane Steichen's been damn good two weeks in a row because he's had that great run pass ratio balance. They throw it, they run it, they, they you don't know exactly what's coming. He's kept the other defenses off uh, balance with how his play calling is gone. Is Shane Steichen not getting enough credit for what he's done the first couple
10: games? Well, it's a good question, Jody, and I don't think many people even know who Shane Steichen is Is number one. I mean uh, – go They know who Jonathan <laughs> Gannon is.
3: He's the equivalent of Jonathan Gannon, the most hated man in Philadelphia, he just told me.
10: Right. Well, Steichen, I thought – the first drive was one of those things like, are they really reading and listening to birds 365 and listening to all the airwaves of, well, they didn't spread the ball around enough. All right. We didn't spread the ball around the night. I'll throw it to every guy in the stadium. How do you like that? I thought the first drive was just a perfect way to open that up. It was executed perfectly. Look, it all comes down to execution too. If Jalen hurts, I thought was excellent on that first drive, decisive, great throws, good decisions, put the ball right where it needed to be. And it made Shane Steichen look like he knew what he was doing for this week. But, yeah, I I agree with you, Jody. I thought the game plan – and, look, this is one of the few teams in the league that can use balance because their line – the line means everything. Some of these teams can't do that because they don't have the ability to pass block. Their, 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 Their tackles get whipped. You know, we watch giant games over the year. They can't do that. Their tackles just can't hold up for a game. They're not good enough run blocking, so they can't run the ball. So I think the Eagles' offensive line allows Steichen to go deeper in the playbook than most coordinators can because he feels comfortable that we can pass block and run block, and you saw it in the first half. The second half, I really liked how they came out and tried to run that run, 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 and then they threw that wonky screen that Gainwell went off of his hands. Uh, But they have the ability. That's their formula. 24-7, 24-7, second half, run the ball, shorten that second half. And and I don't think this is the t- – now, I think they have the ability to put up more points if they so choose. And I asked you, John, yesterday, like, were you a little that they kind of took their foot off the gas after doing it in week one? They took the foot off the gas in week one, and it bit them. They kind of took the foot off the gas.
4: I... Uh, we got a little uh, frozen, Mike Gill. Yes, uh, We'll see if we can get Mike back. Uh, shocker, ball shocker, by the way, while Mike was talking there, Darius Slay, NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Nice. Um, so two weeks, two two awards. Zach McPherson, week one, was Special Teams Player of the Week. Darius Slay, Defensive Player of the Week. So it's going to be somebody on offense. We were just talking about the offense, Jody. Um, the offense leads the NFL, so you would think that there, there would be plenty Jalen Hurts could, could be – um you know and we got mike back Um he's we moving, just mentioned,
3: right? he's, moved, but we, he's giving us yeah. the uh scenic view that's the, what we like
10: the tour. sorry my my laptop died
4: oh there we go the tour of castle uh gill uh down the shore uh dary yes, isn't that one of the families
3: group. on house of dragons yes, castle gill castle i believe gill. so I'm not uh, familiar with that show jody uh, it's HBO, 9 o'clock Sunday nights. That's all you need to know. It's a best show that HBO throws up every week.
4: Uh, we were talking about the offense, so I, I want to stick with you there, Mike, in the fact that, you know, Jody has mentioned the balance. You know, it's easy to have balance when you're up 17 every week. Uh, True. I do think um, y- y- the Eagles did take their foot off the gas. Now, there were a couple plays – you're all right Irv, with that? No, I'm not, but I didn't I didn't get the feeling the Irv Smith drop, for instance. If he catches that and that's a touchdown, I think the Eagles have a sense of urgency. Can I uh, add the, to that? John, the, the block field goal, real quick. The block field goal, Jody. Sense of urgency if that gets returned. But go ahead. The Irv Smith block.
3: You know who didn't get credit for that? At least not on the broadcast. Maybe you guys talked about it in the press box. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was coming over. He was a little late. He didn't quite get there, but he did get his hand up. And I think that's why Irv Smith dropped that ball, because he, I think, affected yeah. his vision right before the ball hit his hand. and that's the reason why he dropped that. Yeah, and, and you got to get there, and Chauncey yeah, Gardner didn't,
9: but he, he dropped it. it.
3: He gave he it, dropped his best it because effort, and he dropped the ball. He's
10: dropped it because he's wearing 84 in Minnesota, which is sacrilegious. There's no way you hand 84 to Irv Smith Jr. Come on.
4: You got to make that play as an NFL player, and he's supposed to be a good tight end. You got to make that play. I hear what you're saying. You know, you have a little bit in your vision, but that's an easy catch for an NFL player. My point is I never got the feeling if the Vikings made a play, the interception as well, the Kenny Gainwell uh, dropped, uh, If they made a play and scored a touchdown, I think the sense of urgency would have been back. There was no evidence that defense could stop the Eagles' offense whatsoever. I think they just would have put the foot back on the gas and it would have been fine. But my point is moving forward, Mike, at some point, I don't know. You mentioned the schedule. We all know the schedule looks light on paper. At some point, you're going to be tested, you're going to be behind. That, to me, is going to say a lot about this team. What do they do playing from behind? That changes everything, and that's the... the one big hurdle I want to see
10: well and it's a good point and the question will be how's that team defending you when you're alive a lot of times we see these teams do what the Vikings did hey we'll let you catch the ball in front of us and try to make tackles are the Eagles much more equipped now offensively to say you want to give us underneath I'll throw the ball to AJ Brown he's going to break a tackle and bust one for 40 yards they didn't really have that guy uh, in the past so the ultimate chess matches get kind of um, more interesting when you have more talent. You know, the Eagles didn't have the talent to play from behind because I'll let you catch the ball underneath. I'll come up and whack you, and you're going to go right down. No yak, Zach, right? Now you got guys who are going to break tackles and make big plays, and that's how in the NFL we see every week. 31-17 quickly changes. Um, we, we saw Miami come back. Uh, what I don't know what the hell yeah. the score was when they yeah. came, when they were down. Well, that, Mike, that
4: Miami game, I was talking about that, Mike. Do you think the Eagles can come back from that kind of poor start and win that type of game? That, that to me is still a question that needs. Who are they playing against? Well, that's part of it as well. Right. Uh, I mean, if you're playing Dallas, Dallas. you know, Baltimore's pretty good. If you're playing Baltimore, because remember, there's both ends of that spectrum. You got to stop Lamar Jackson. You got to come back uh, with all the offense
10: here might be my response, guys. And I, I I pondered this yesterday. We I think we saw now the ceiling of what Jalen Hurst can be. Is he gonna be that every week? No. But now that is that game is there. Now can I get consistency to approach that game, right? Can I get consistency to approach that level? I'm not gonna to get to that level, but can I have consistent week in and week out approaches to that game? If he plays like he did on Monday night, this league's in some trouble. How do you figure out what to do? Decisive, quick, accurate, show the ability to throw the ball down the field, got escapability. I mean, you almost were like, whoa, I'm watching a different – I'm watching a completely different player than what I saw for a a year and four games.
3: You're right. He's extended the ceiling. Now can we lessen the floor? Can we bring that floor level up? That when he doesn't have the kind of game that he had last week, it's not dropping through the floor. Uh, one other note on the point that John was making about um, the Eagles and uh, their abilities uh, on offense: Do we are we once again guilty of not factoring in the opponent enough? Is there any chance that Ed Donatel, who reacted and changed zero in the first half, nothing? He just kept doing the same exact thing, playing and play out. Eagles hadn't had an for it, and they went up and down the field. Maybe he just at halftime actually said, "Maybe I should change some things and do some things differently." Do we give the Vikings no credit for the Eagles going scoreless in the second half?
4: Mm. I think yes, the know. sense I mean, of urgency, my perspective, the sense of urgency had more to do with it than any changes. Yeah, I think uh, the,
10: the, the I think the play calling was. Was significantly more conservative in the second half, and yet they ran the ball with very good success. Still, I hated the play call. They ran a Hertz had like a design run on a third down. I'm thinking, what are you doing? 24 to seven. Like yeah. Uh, late, I later that, on in the game. I said
4: the same thing, Mike. I said you know what? It was what, just
10: a conservative play call, and it's like I trust this guy just to not take a hit and get down. So like I felt like the play calling was a lot more conservative in, in the I, second. I don't know ending. if you
3: can ever describe a Jason uh Jalen Hurts uh called run play as Jeez. conservative.
4: I uh, I was questioning I have more, trouble
3: saying that. I am
4: questioning more why they've had Jalen Hurts on a design run call with the game well in hand. I that They was trust my him not to
10: fumble more than they trust Miles Sanders
4: not to fumble. But here's Maybe. now to Jody's point, I'm going to throw, and I was trying to get, I'm going to throw this stat at you. And this is a reason, and people are going to call me a hater, but whatever. They always call me a hater. I, I, this is why I temper something on, on, on Jalen Hurts. So this is from Next Gen Stats, the NFL's own, you know, advanced analytics site. The average NFL receiver got 2.9 yards of separation last week. Dallas Goddard, 5.3. Zach Pascal, 4.82. Quez Watkins, 4.63. A.J. Brown, 3.72. These guys were wide open by NFL standards. That was my eye test. I said, this is amazing. How open these receivers are. Jalen Hurts is a good football player. He should be hitting these guys with ease. I Have mean, to. well that, that that's not gonna happen every week, though. And and that's, you
10: it's the effect of, and it happened on the Irv Smith drop is the attention went to Jefferson when he crossed the eye plane of the safety. The safety got stopped for a second and saw Jefferson and said, Oh, there's Justin Jefferson. And that's what happens when AJ Brown is now on the field. These guys have less attention on them all over now. It was
4: wide open,
10: you well, know. You think
4: AJ's getting all AJ 3.72 and he's getting all the attention. This and was now it's coverage. That's all I'm saying. I'll take I'll pathetic. take Gil's point. I'll take Gill's point and run with it though, because I think he's right.
3: He just uh, got a narrow focus in the other direction. It's not AJ Brown, it's Jalen himself that the other defensive backs have to be aware that, uh-oh, this guy could tuck and run and turn up. Yeah. The one time they didn't do it, uh, who was on him? I forget. Jesus. Uh, who was on Goddard on the the Hurts touchdown? I don't know. Hey, uh,
10: one of the, the safety, I think, followed
3: I was yeah. closer. Uh, no, the, the safety was actually right there. He the was staring was at with, Goddard. He had his this, back turned to Jalen Earn. That's that why Jalen turned it up and said, shoot, I'm going to try and score a touchdown. He could have well, just danced out of bounds for the first down. He said, this guy isn't even looking at me.
11: No, so well, Goddard, on
3: that Goddard particular play, was, it wasn't the kind of defense they've been playing all day.
10: No, Goddard was in motion and went out like he was – and then just kept pushing the guy, and the guy was following him as if he was guarding him, and Hertz just said, okay, I'll follow you guys up the sideline, but that guy never turned, right? Never Goddard rap. just kept pushing him down the field, and that was a hell of a run. I'm watching the game. Yeah, that, you know, was, a, the high that was
4: a hell of a run. Yeah, now, I'm watching
10: now, the game with uh, my girlfriend's son. He, he's 16 years old in high school, and he's saying – how do four grown men not pull down another guy like that? And I said, it, it, it's just, you know, absolute will. He willed himself to get into the end zone well, at that and, point.
4: And, and the one knucklehead is trying to strip him at the two-yard line instead of trying to bring him down. So, you know.
10: See a lot of that. Yeah. Marcus Epps. Marcus Epps is, is becoming notorious for trying to be the guy who comes in with the shoulder and, you know, jar the ball out and not rap. He, he's doing that a lot.
4: Well, to finish this point, because Tone asked, doesn't that just mean the receivers are that good? No, to Tone, no. The average NFL, that's my point. That changes this week. The Eagles have very good receivers. Don't get me wrong. Those numbers I just gave you are absurd, are absurdly poor. And that's kind of my point. That's not going to be the normal way of doing things. That's why... The NFL does these next-gen stats. The NFL average of separation, that's generally where you're going to be. Maybe you have great receivers, you have a little bit more. You don't have 2.9 to (laughs)
1: 5.2.
4: That's not going to happen this week. I guarantee it. And Washington doesn't even have...
1: A a great great defense,
4: but it's going to be better than that. So it becomes more difficult. That's why I'm saying people, look, the other side was really, the Eagles played really well. The other side played really, really poorly. So well,
10: let me ask you this, John, I know you covered the Vikings for a couple of years and, and know that team pretty well. Where in the NFC Pantheon do they lay? Are they a middle of the road team? Is that a playoff team? You got seven playoff teams, so I mean they may be a seven, but I don't know. Is that a team that you're like, hey, that's one of the better teams in the conference?
4: No, no. That is a I I just tell Joe that's gonna be a bottom ten defense at best. Um I think Detroit's more talented now. Um I think Green How Bay even though they beat Green Bay in week one, I think Aaron Rodgers will figure it out. Aaron, you, you know, I've been talking to you forever. You know how much respect I have for Aaron Rodgers. Jody knows it too. He will figure he will figure it out. Well, and what we get lured into
10: in this fantasy football world is that Minnesota has fantasy stars all yes, over the place. Yes, exactly. So therefore, exactly. they must be a good team. And that's yeah. why I asked that question to kind of put it in perspective, John, is that... Is Minnesota a really good team? Not necessarily. They have some really good skill players, but overall, yeah. they're probably a middle of the road team, nine and eight, eight and nine. Yeah, and a lot,
4: way. you know, it, I don't know what Kevin O'Connell is. Nobody does. I know he had a bad, bad game in Philadelphia. He's a rookie head coach. That happens. Um, Maybe he figures it out. Maybe they're a little bit better from that perspective. They should be a borderline wild card team. Hey, I'll say this way.
10: somebody's getting in the Giants, yeah. Detroit, somebody that had no X ex- because if Minnesota's not getting in, maybe Arizona. I, I mean, there's I-, I do a segment called Who's In, Who's Out where I try to pick the 14 playoff teams. It's hard, man. It is hard to find a seventh team in each conference to make the playoffs. You're getting to the point where you have to consider Detroit, the Giants, uh, I don't know, probably Arizona. I think you're getting to that level of team. If Minnesota and if Minnesota's not one of them, you're really dropping well, they, down to that level.
4: They of as I said, they they'll be in the conversation to be right. A- that last wild card so they might but they're not a great team they're not a terrible team the eagles deserve credit they played very very well i'm just saying you know just pump the brakes a little bit because there are there are larger tests moving forward starting this week from a team that people would say on paper isn't as good but they know the eagles they know how they play they're going to be better prepared And I think this week's going to be a a more difficult matchup for the Eagles. than. Yeah, see, I disagree
3: with you on that one, Mike. I think the NFC is easy to figure out. Look at the seven teams that made it last year. And if you got to add someone from the outside in, I put New Orleans in. Now, the Tampa defense did a really good job against them the other day. They made Jameis uh, 2022 look like Jameis 2019. He coughed it up a bunch of times, but... Oh, no, I can tell you who the teams are going to be in playoffs in the NFC. It's going to be the same teams as last year. And uh, New Orleans will surplant someone else.
10: Well, Dallas made it last year. That would be one, possibly, if depending on Dak. They looked pretty good defensively last week, obviously. Um, this week, the Giants-Dallas game should be pretty interesting. But yeah, it, look, I, I just feel like um, there's not a lot of... Even on the other side, I mean, the AFC's got a couple teams at the top, but Trying try to find the seventh team, I was like, "My gosh!" I mean, yeah. I guess Denver right now would be, but they don't look all that special.
4: Yeah, but I mean, it is early, and somebody's gonna somebody's gonna get
9: better. Sure, it all will most. be fluid.
4: Yeah. and and some teams are gonna uh, move on. So I'm gonna give. I mentioned this before, our buddy Jeff Kerr, and and to give Jeff credit, he uh, he did say regular season games. Uh, but he put up Jalen Hurts' stats in his last five regular season starts. They're just phenomenal. And the Eagles are 5-0. and oh, But there was another game over that span. And that yep. was the playoffs in Tampa Bay. And Todd Bowles, you know, I'm surprised nobody has looked at that film and said, all right, this is how we do it. Now, maybe they think they don't have the talent to pull it off. Um, and that's potential. Does that Todd Bowles' game plan worry you at all? Or I don't know. Everybody's
10: using Vic Fangio's defense. So, yeah. for whatever reason, they haven't matriculated over to Todd Bowles' defense at this yeah. point. I don't know why. I will add, throw this into the mix. Uh, there's a guy who listens to my show who hates the Eagles, and he said, I don't know why everyone's so excited. You know, they lost on prime time games by an average of 16.5 points last year. What is that? Does that show – Actually, what does that have to do with anything? But does it show the difference between where this team was and where this team is, is that they've made huge strides talent-wise so that the 16.5 points a game last year doesn't mean skedaddle, yeah. right? Well, they they're, have they're, upgraded the roster significantly. That's like saying
4: they're winning by 17 points on primetime games this year, this year by, by an average. One. One. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They played one so far. Yeah. All right.
3: Uh, one other guy, I think we got to throw some props to, and John just kind of rained on his parade that the Vikings left them as open as they did. Uh, Dallas Goddard again has had two good games in a row. Started the season uh, with outstanding production. We know that we knew that he was going to be one of those key guys. What is it that uh, the head coach likes to say, John? In order, we go from. Uh, number what A.J.
4: Dallas. Yeah. A.J.'s A.J. Dallas Devante is what the Eagles progression scale is. Um, And then once again, we're going to
3: throw it over the top to Quez. That's all you need to know. And, uh, you know, the Cotard is not only going to be open, but he's going to make the catch and he's going to turn it upfield and get more yards after the catch, which is something that he is certainly better in than Zach Ertz. We all love Zach Ertz, but that was never his strong suit uh, yards after catch. Although we did
10: uh, have the first drop of the night on maybe the best pass of the day,
4: yeah, yeah, that, that was that wasn't a drop that got stripped out. One of the few times Viking defenders were near uh, Listen, Dallas Goddard. Uh, Jody,
10: I am a huge Goddard fan. In fact, last year when they traded Ertz, I thought that there was a chance he could get to a thousand yards. They kind of dra- he was on pace to start to get there, a little off, but towards the end he he faded a little bit, but you know. I think right now he's one of the premier receiving guys in the league. You saw he can block. They like him blocking as well. He's a tremendous weapon in this offense. I think people forget, you know, he was a second-round pick, and it gets lost in the sauce because Ertz was here, and he didn't get right on the field and burst out. But this guy has got a ton of talent, and as you mentioned, he can catch. He can run after the catch. Last year, I think he had the highest average yards per catch for tight ends in the league. He's a big play guy. He's a tremendous weapon. that just gets kind of overshadowed, I think because, you know, Ertz was here when he got here. So he didn't make an immediate thousand yard impact. But I think if you featured him and didn't have, he could probably be a thousand yard tight end.
3: I got uh, this from Rube, uh, our buddy Ruben Frank stats this morning. Last year, he was the number one tight end average yards per uh, uh, target. This year, He's the leading receiver in the national football, not tight end, any receiver, yards per target. He's numero uno in the NFL. So, as good as he was last year, he's better this year.
4: And uh, Jody said, I was hating on Dallas Goddard. No, I I say Dallas Goddard, and you remember, Jody, when I did my top 25 Eagles, who was number one? Number one was Dallas Goddard.
3: Goddard. You just said said
4: I was hating on Dallas Goddard because of the Vikings, not. And I always say Dallas Goddard is always open. No, I he's said just, you were hating on all the
3: wide receivers. I did not yeah. individually pick out Goddard. And he,
4: he's always open. He's just not always going to be open by five yards average. That's Does he have a sign hanging in his locker? Always open. A- 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 does, open. The Eagles receivers. Does Goddard are, have one? Does Goddard are, have the sign? Not not yet, but he probably could. <laughs> Pretty
10: soon, you're going to need yeah. to be handing out signs to everybody because you're not going to be able to pick who to defend. I,
4: look, and by and the I, way, I, same people in Miami I've seen, and, and Jody knows, good friend Alan Poupere covers the uh, uh, Dolphins, not the biggest Tua fan. People are saying the same thing down there. He,
3: yeah, can you text him this week and ask him how the crow yeah. tastes for him? Yeah. Will you do that for uh, me, please?
4: Well, same now a lot of open receivers, a lot of blown coverages. That has been uh, a theme in the NFL: blown coverages over the first couple of weeks. And it's interesting for all these teams that play zone. Why are you playing so much zone if the design is to be safe when everybody's blowing coverage? coverages Blow anyway. Yeah. yeah.
10: Well, I think we we also asked on Friday: Can Devonta Smith, you know, if needed, if they said we're going to take Brown out of the game? It looked like he's a guy who can get himself open, step up, make catches, keep the chains moving. So I think that was another question that got kind of answered in the game is that Smith is pretty darn good as well. Oh, uh, yeah.
3: All
4: right, last i last one never one for worried me, about Mike. that, Mike. Never worried about that. Devon is a very good receiver.
3: Last one for me, Mike Gill. Um, Darius Slay was just named John Tolles for the 20 seconds that your uh, screen went down on us. He noticed that Darius Slay got Defensive Player of the Week, as well he should have. Um, Kirk Cousins foolishly continued to try and throw at Mr. Slay on Monday night. Thank you very much, Kirk. That's why you are the definition of an average quarterback in the National Football League. Will Carson Wentz do the same? Does Carson try and bully ball his way to getting plays against Slay and pay the same price that Kirk Cousins
1: did?
10: Well, if he doesn't, he'll do it at least one time. I mean, he could be blitzing everybody most of the game. And then in that moment, I'm sure he'll look at Slay's way one time at least. And that could be the moment because, you know, Wentz uh, – John, you might have brought this up yesterday. I, I don't remember who it was but said, you know, Wentz is the second most productive quarterback yeah. in the league right now yeah. behind Tua – um he's had a pretty good start in terms of piling up the yards uh the touchdowns but he keeps making that one mistake in the game which has kind of hampered him uh in the second part of his you know tenure I mean that 2020 season was such a I, I don't know I mean he hasn't been that bad last year in Indianapolis he wasn't that bad. 2020, he was just horrendous. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened.
4: I still don't know what
10: happened. Yeah, he has been more of the 18, 19, 21 version of himself. And I don't know that we'll ever, in fact, I'm pretty confident saying we'll never see the 2017 version of him. But in 16, 18, 19, 21, you saw a guy that can make throws, make plays, but have an occasional mistake. And I would imagine that will probably be a uh, possibility again this weekend.
4: Yeah, and it might be the difference in the game. At Mike Gill's Show, follow Mike on Twitter, uh, the Sports Bash, every day, 2 to 6. I'm on there. Uh, Monday through Thursday, 3 o'clock, so tune in for that if you're down the shore. Um, Let we'll, we'll us get you out of here on a commander's question. Uh, Terry McLaurin, um, you know, for whatever reason, I, I've always thought He's one of the best receivers in football. One of the reasons why so much upheaval at the quarterback position keeps producing no matter who it is. Production, production, production. If he was ever with a high-volume quarterback, and Carson Wentz has been that for two weeks, we'll see if it continues. How good is Terry McLaurin?
10: Oh, I'm a big fan. And I like Dotson on the other side now, too. Uh, Logan Thomas is a tight end. They've got some weapons. I don't think they flash. They don't jump off the page like – Jefferson Thielen, Dalvin cook, but I think he's better than, uh, it's, it's hard to say right now that you anybody's better than Amon am Ross a Brown, but I think he's like <laughs> a notch above where he is in terms of speed and a playmaker. Um, you know, their problem as you mentioned is they haven't had anybody consistently be able to get them the ball. So Wentz is putting up some numbers there. I think the disappointment for them, I like McLaurin, Their run game is iffy, their line is okay. I've been disappointed for two years now with that defense. I don't know. That defense, Two, three years ago, I guess, two years ago, yeah. looked like they were going to be like something special.
1: Thin.
10: Yeah, and I know Young's hurt, but, man, they, they put a lot of draft capital into that defense. And that defense got them to the playoffs that year and looked really good. And you're like, oh, man, you're going to have to deal with this defense. And I don't know what has happened to that defense. It is just not this dominating uh, unit that we thought it could be. But McLaren, yeah, probably uh, – I don't know what top 12
4: is that good. Yeah, that sounds about right. I would say, I would agree with that. Borderline top 10. I wouldn't have a problem just leaving him out of the top 10. Very good receiver. I think very underrated because of, of where he plays.
10: Nice. As long and, as Jameson Crowder's not here.
9: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
10: I feel like that guy killed us.
3: That's a good point. He, yeah, did, he, uh... didn't, he killed my jets last year, but that's a whole other story. Um... And, oh, by the way, McLaurin only has six catches in the first two games. 22 yards a catch, but he's yeah. only had six catches so yeah. far. So a little bit guy. of a big play aspect to his season in the first two games. His first two ever, the count with Carson Wentz. Mr. Gill, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for hopping on board. We will talk to you again next week. All right, guys. See ya. Thanks, Mike. Mike. from uh, the Sports Pass 97.3 down the shore. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys. Hour number two, we're going to have Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Board. Uh, whenever KK hops aboard, board, he brings a unique perspective. Not a beat guy, not a regular columnist guy, what they do over at Crossing Board. A little bit different, a little bit more fun. We'll have some fun with Kevin Kincaid next hour here on Birds 365.
7: Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams.
8: Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently.
9: Go first.
3: And Jody McDonald, make up your mac birds 365 guys here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Check out Johnny's Missives at jacobsports.com. And yeah, we throw this out there every once in a while. What do we need to ask them to do, John?
4: Like, share, subscribe. 367 strong. Uh, like, share, subscribe.
3: And uh, we'll continue for another 365. Johnny's going to 1,365 already. I'm, yeah. I can't get there yet. No, no, I can't look that no, That's hard. how many
4: listeners are live right now. We well, I think we set a record yesterday, Jody. I think I don't that I'm not official. Um live viewers. I, I don't recall ever getting that high. But yeah, the number wrong. the number got up pretty good yesterday. It's
3: quite uh, quite understandable after the Eagles played the way that they did. Um, and what we do after every Eagle single game, and we did it without getting real formal about it yesterday, but we certainly did it uh, by giving our opinions on what looked good in the Eagles' dominant win. We graded out their performance yesterday. We nitpicked a little bit on a couple of things. um, But that's what we do here on Birds 365. We try and keep the balance, much like Shane Steichen's perfect balance of run-pass ratio. We try and do the same with giving credit. And we had to give more credit than questions because they won as uh, dominantly as they did. Uh, But we pointed out a couple of things that could have been better. But there's one guy in town. We love him. We have him on with us. He's always great. Uh, but when I saw this this morning, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. What the hell are you talking about? Um, John McMullen, what would you give the Philadelphia Eagles a grade four Monday night versus the Vikings in special teams play?
4: Uh, I a give plus them, to F. I give them a D. Um only because Aaron Sipas chased down Chris Boyd, who runs a 4.45, by the way, to give you an indication. I looked it up. That's what he ran coming out of college. So he's not a slow guy. Um, now, he had to gather himself. Obviously, we were what race, he's not catching him. But Aaron's very athletic for a punter. Um, but, man, the kickoff returns were terrible. Letting up the block kick especially noah tungiai for being elevated for his blocking jody uh that that was kind of a kind of an issue um so yeah i mean that was the one part of the performance i didn't love that and the penalties and that was about it that was about it
3: our our buddy dave zangaro gave eagles a b on special teams
4: b Uh, b I love Dave.
3: How's it give him a B? Did beat. I miss
4: something? It had to
3: all be tied to the Sipas tackle. Because other than that, how do you possibly look at that game and go, oh, they were okay. Yeah, the the, the Vikings didn't break one on defense. They were able to hem in Jalen Rager. So what? Everybody hems in Jalen yeah. Rager.
4: That's yeah. nothing
3: to be proud yeah. of. Uh, no, yeah, they were bad on special now, teams. Now,
4: anytime you give up a block kick, I mean, that's bad. That's that's bad. Yeah. Um, number one and then i just can't get over the thought process on the kickoff return so maybe i'm being too harsh but
3: no you're not i um, i thought i was looking at c minus d myself and couldn't believe what i saw look here's
4: what i said when i watched gannon and and i watched the game again and fran duffy give credit who does a great job with the film stuff for eagles.com he put up uh, a, a bunch of clips of the uh, zero blitzes. They all, every single one of them, went straight up the middle to take advantage of Garrett Bradbury. And I give Jonathan Gannon a ton of credit for that, a ton of credit for identifying the weakness, um, exposing the weakness, and in, in, in really doing a good job for his his team. On the other end of that spectrum, Minnesota said, "You know what? This guy's terrible." We're going to use this mortar kick and we're going to pin the Eagles back. Now it didn't matter because they couldn't do anything defensively, but it, imagine if they were a good defensive team and you're starting every drive inside the 20 and you've got to drive both fields because your stinking kick returner can't do anything. I got a problem with that because you had Boston Scott. Now, Now, would you prefer to have a a game-breaking threat who can take it to the house? Yeah, but you don't. So just use the guy who can be competent and do the job. I have a real problem that the Eagles won't pull that trigger because Quez Watkins, hey, great play on offense, you know, can run by people. He can't run through people. And if he can't run through people, you can't be a kick returner in this league. Eagles have to recognize that.
3: And while we give the Eagles credit uh, for, like, Jonathan Gannon bringing his blitzes up the middle, recognizing a weakness on the other team. Oh, that's why Minnesota didn't kick it out of the back of the end. Yes, That's why they dropped that kick in on the four-yard line every single time because they know, all right, well, we don't believe they're going to break one on it, so we've got a chance to pin them certainly less than 25 and maybe inside the 20. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what happened because Quez just – He's not going to be able to run through a tackle.
4: Yeah. Um, And they took advantage of it. And if they had, that's what I'm saying, Jody. If they had a decent defense, people would have been complaining. Oh, the Eagles had to start inside the 20 every single time. That was the plan for Minnesota. They executed that small part of their particular plan to perfection. And they did it because they saw weakness. The Eagles should see that same weakness and put Boston Scott back there.
3: Well, one other guy in addition to McMullen, McDonald, and a good percentage of you Eagle fans, there are still some of the Jalen Hurts. I won't call them haters. I'll just call them doubters instead uh, out there, even after that outstanding performance on Monday night. One guy who's come around is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry yeah, Jones. Jerry. On his- Jerry
4: Sprightened
3: radio show said and i wasn't looking forward to playing the philadelphia eagles with a quarterback who's making things happen they're gonna be able to give us all that we can handle oh yeah the the eagles are across the board but specifically at the quarterback position and uh, they play in week number six jerry is all but guaranteed that Dak prescott will be back by the i don't know do you see this john and i apologize for i i need to take better notes when i'm trolling, uh, going through Twitter. Somebody yesterday posted that Jerry was optimistic that Dak could play this week. I saw it. It said week three. This upcoming week is week three. I think he retracted that on his radio show, and I think he said three weeks. He'll miss three weeks. So he'll be ready for week number four.
4: And the Giants play the Cowboys this week
3: and Washington the next week uh would you say sorry
4: i was told that same thing uh, i had not heard it i was asked that on a on a different show and i know i I'm saw a- it somewhere on twitter somebody said
3: jerry jones believes that Dak can be back as soon as week number three which would be next week and this is a surgery that usually knocks you out for six to eight weeks and Dak was going to be back in two weeks
4: Yeah, I mean, Cherry, to my knowledge, is not a doctor. (laughs) Don't don't carry that. I'm sure he is uh, hopeful. Um, Look, I think that would do more harm than good, to be honest. I mean, if you're pushing the guy back on the field that quickly from that type of injury, you know, you're probably more susceptible for re-injury, all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, Cherry, look, you know, it must be fun to cover the Dallas Cowboys because, I mean, there are no other owners who speak after games. There are no other owners who do weekly radio spots. And he says whatever the heck he wants to say, no matter who he contradicts, what he contradicts. I would not expect that press got back for week four. If he is back by week four, I'm sure he's not going to be ready to be back by week four. And he's probably playing through something he shouldn't play through. So, I, I, you know, Jerry's Jerry. You and I see it
3: exactly the same. Um, uh, He's already skimmed back the fact that he's going to be able to play this week against the Giants. So that's not happened so you don't have to worry about that. But the week after against the Commanders, if you're an Eagle fan, I absolutely believe you should be rooting for Dak Prescott to play. And for one reason and one reason only. Ye could re-injure himself. Yeah. He's going to be back for the U game. When when the injury first took place and the original diagnosis was six to eight weeks, that certainly included week number six with the Eagles and the Cowboys. Now it looks like he should be back shorter. And that can happen, that you can have a an operation that you don't know exactly how Uh, much damage is done. After you do it, you realize it really wasn't that bad. So you you shorten up your diagnosis for return. Um, That does happen. I'm not questioning if that's possible, but it sounds a little short to me. And if you're anything, if you're an Eagle fan, oh, let Dak come back. Let's get our hands up. Let's make sure he kisses the ground at least a couple of times. And uh, then he is out for that much longer because I guarantee you, if he has to have the surgery redone, it's not going to be back in three weeks.
4: Yeah. Uh, and I don't take anything Jerry says after games very seriously. I mean, he tends to get emotional. Then he has sort of that pull down period. Then he does his radio show the next day or a couple of days after, and he gets a little bit more uh, sense into him. Uh, but with, with Dak Prescott, and I've said this pretty consistently, if I were the Cowboys, I'd err on the side of caution. I'd make sure he's 100% before he's back out there. And by the way, they won a game with Cooper Rush. And they won a game last year with Cooper Rush. How about letting the guy lose a game before you start panicking? That would be my advice. Not that Jerry would ever listen.
3: And you were, uh, I don't know if you were tuned uh, to that Cowboy game. I, again, we all have our preconceived notions before the games are played, and then we have to uh, reevaluate and maybe uh, give more credit or give less credit, depending on how, what you see. I don't think much of Cooper Rush. I just, he doesn't do anything. All he does for me. is win
4: games, Jody Mack. All I'm, he
3: does is win football games. And he did it again on Sunday yeah. against the Bengals. Big I throw, too, late. Big throw, late. Back into, well, and the guy was pretty open um but you're it doesn't right
0: Matter here
4: when guys are running five yards open it doesn't well, that's, matter here
3: that's why i brought it up because you yeah. you minimized what the eagles did because the wide i gotta minimize it wider. there
4: i gotta minimize it you right can't minimize Co- it cooper rush didn't easy.
3: exactly throw a laser down the field between two defenders into a very tight window that's not cooper Rush's no. forte but you are right the guy does find a way to win. He did last year. He came in against Minnesota, filling in for Prescott. Got, got a win. Came in this yeah. week against the Bengals. And one thing about uh, the Bengals, and I did say this, and um, I think uh, somebody shot me a text or a tweet and said, damn, exact same thing you said on CBS on Sunday night. Joe Burrow, who I'm a fan, um, had maybe the greatest college football season ever that a quarterback had at LSU, got himself rightfully the number one pick in the draft gets the Bengals in his second year after getting hurt year one. And I remember uh, who, oh, uh, Mike Tannenbaum, who we had on uh, a year and a half ago when we just started Bird 365. Keep your eye on Joe Burrow because those quarterbacks with the the lower extremity issues, uh, injuries, don't come back the same exact. Burrow comes back and takes the Bengals to the Super Bowl. So uh, Tannenbaum kind of missed, missed the target on that one. Um, but Joe, I gotta say this about Burrow. He just refuses to get rid of the football. Yeah, he, he does. drops back and one, he believes that, that his guy is gonna get open and he's gonna have time and he's gonna wait till the exact perfect second to release the football, and then the pocket caves. And he just he doesn't get out of there. He never throws the football out of time, he never throws the football away. There's a reason why he's the most sacked quarterback in the National Football League. He really does push his offensive line. Every once in a while, you just got to say, discretion is the better part of valor. Get it the hell out of there, and don't take a 10-yard sack.
4: Yeah, and I know we got to get the break because Kevin Kincaid's in the uh, in the green room. But, you know, since Kevin is here, he does his uh, hot takes every once in a while, his hot take columns. I'm going to do my one of my pet peeve columns. That's because I got way more than 50. But uh, one of them is that nobody – Places blame on the quarterback for any pass protection. You heard it week one with the Eagles. Oh, the offensive line was poor. No, they're you're supposed to get the ball out. You know, they're not supposed to block for a hundred seconds. You're supposed to, the quarterbacks have responsibility when it comes to pass protection. You're exactly right with Joe Burrow. Look, not a great offensive line, but he bears some of that blame. Uh, There's no question about it.
3: He is John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the MACAMAC Bird 365 Duo. Up next, our pal Kevin Kincaid from Cross and Board jumping in on Birds365.
5: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes
3: Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad to join us. He's got the hat. He's got the earbuds in. He's looking good. Uh, But I'm going to have to put him on the spot before we ever do anything. KK, you know you're my guy, right?
12: It's way too early for this question, I think.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it might be. Uh, Just my judgment over the last, and I, I go to the site every single day, who's put up more posts in the last week, two weeks, month? You picked to choose the time frame you want. You yeah. are Kyle Pagan. Uh, well, what happened? You were the guy, you were like 95% of the posts. This guy well, is muscling in on your action, big guy.
12: I know. Well, I, as it should have been, like who wants to read a website where I write 95% of the things? There should be more I do. Di- diversity. I'm good. I'm oh, okay. good. I was good with that. <laughs> Well, I, I won ninety seven point
4: six. Uh, At one point, it
12: was. You know how many stories I've done for Crossing Broad since I joined? I guess it was twenty seventeen, September twenty seventeen. I've done seven thousand five hundred. Wow. So, but not all of them, Jody, are Pulitzer winners, though. You know, you just drop like a Twitter video in there, and you write like two sentences, and you call it, uh, call, it call it a post. You know? but a
4: post. You no, know, but post. the truly
12: the answer the answer is actually I still have the. Uh, the edge on him because he's down doing the videos at the tailgates and he's doing the uh you know the dollar dog night promo stuff. So he's 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 been doing more like digital and like uh yeah you know, expanding God, our footprint. God speed to him for doing yeah. that stuff. I mean, that yeah, was quite the adventure too. at the tailgate. Yeah. He said it was the drunkest tailgate he's ever been to. But, <laughs> nice. So.
4: Yeah, well, you know, Monday night, you got all day to get ready. Uh Season
12: opener Monday night one and oh. Yeah, it was it was uh yeah, I can't even imagine. You know, high bar to clear too for Eagles fans. So yes, very high bar. Speaking yeah, high up, bar. speaking up, high bar. Where
4: where is this team on the pantheon of, of great teams in NFL history,
12: Kevin? Are are we top ten yet? Oh man, two games in. Uh, you yeah, know, they could be the greatest team of all time. Well, last <laughs> last week <it> depends <laughs> depends what week you asked me. Last week they could have been the worst worst defense of all yeah, time, and then this exactly. this week they're. Uh, this is by the way, Jody. Why we had John on. Uh, On Crossing Broadcast because we wanted a pragmatic uh, Eagles personality, you know, none of the uh, knee-jerk stuff. But, uh, yes, I mean, what a difference a week makes, right? You know, Jonathan Gannon made adjustments. Jalen Hurts, uh, I don't think it's a hot take to say he looked like Donovan out there at times. uh, Yeah, he looked great. yeah, they were, they were up for it, you know? And, uh, you know, you saw the adjustments that were made defensively, you know, offensively. I like the gameplay. I'm not really sure what the Vikings were doing defensively. but <laughs> I don't um, think any of us were. No, no. But, I mean, you, you you take what you can get. I, I honestly thought um, that Jalen played his best NFL game. That I agree. I called it his yeah. best professional
4: yeah. game, certainly from a, a passing perspective. Now, but you bring up the opponent, and yeah. you have to put that because I still don't know what Ed Donatel was trying to do, and – next-gen stats put up uh, something about the Eagles receivers, their separation. The numbers mm-hmm. were astronomical. The average was 2.9. Dallas was at 5.4. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Pascal was at 4.8. Uh, Quez Watkins was at 4.6. D- A.J. A- a- Brown was at 3.7. Point I'm trying to make, the receivers were open and they were running free. You know, Do we look at the opponent and say that added into it, or we just say, okay, Jalen Hurts was great?
12: I think you just do a little bit of everything. You know, I mean, they were playing a lot of that kind of soft shell, you know, cover two stuff that we were complaining about Jonathan Gannon last year, right? And they still. Within that, they still beat him deep on the blown coverage on the Quez Watkins It's Amazing. Touchdown. All these teams yeah.
4: want to play safe and they blow yeah.
12: coverages anyway. What's Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know if they were just trying to keep everything in front of them or if they were trying to uh you know make Jalen Hurts beat him with his arm, which he did, you know. Um so but but it was yeah, it was it was quizzical to see what they were doing, not, not no real adjustments at halftime. But Jalen, to his credit, took what was given to him, and he worked within that framework of this is what the defense is showing me, and I'm going to attack it this way. I think that probably, you know, addressed probably the biggest criticism that people had of him, which was uh, coming out of college was he's a one read guy. He's going to look for his receiver, and if you know CD Lamb or whoever, uh, Charleston Rambo's not there, you know I'm going to take pull it down, and take off. You know, so I, I think he was he just looked more composed in there. Um, you know he he didn't look as antsy right he looked calm and he looked collected and he was picking out the right guys and seemed like he was going through his reads and you know I, it's it's funny cuz they do the uh you know the statistic after the game i think i think it was something like he was the first uh, eagles quarterback to go for or the first quarterback ever i think to go for 300 yards 80% completion yeah, uh, 80 third, completion yeah, percentage third, and two, uh, two two rushing touchdowns it's funny John, cuz we that that kind of originated yeah. in basketball and i thought a lot of those stats were total bs because you can just pick like an arbitrary threshold and say like yeah, exactly. well Robert Robert Covington was the first person to get like one point two steals per game, zero yeah. point four deflections. And they don't <laughs> yeah. they don't they normally don't mean anything, but the thing that popped about that was his completion percentage. Because you look at the games that Jalen played last year, he had some games where he threw monster stats up there, but he was completing like 55% of his passes, 57% yeah. of his passes. So for him to balance out the rushing touchdowns and the rushing performance that he had with with just accuracy was the takeaway from what people were saying with them.
1: Yeah.
4: And I thought pointed. his best two throws – sorry, Jody. Uh, I'm being too wordy, that's my <laughs> fault. But I th- I thought his best two throws were incompletions. His mm-hmm. first incompletion – Dallas um, Goddard. Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal throw. And then later, there was a penalty. It got brought back. He had a throw to Quez Watkins that was a pretty – Big gain 30 something yards down the field. Was
12: that the rollout to his left with yes, the Roll out to his left.
4: Pinpoint yeah. throw. I thought it was ironic. His two best throws were incompletions because yeah. one was stripped, one was brought back with penalty. So yeah, and that
12: was a really, really good play by the DB on that first one. Um, but again, yeah. he kind of just dropped it into a bucket, you know, see the see the first line, and the second line. And can you can you that that's probably one of the hardest NFL throws that there is. To kind of just like put it over top of the the, the first line and, and sink it in before the safety can get in there, and you know credit to the DB for coming in and breaking it up. Yeah, and the second one was it's funny because when he's flush from the pocket, he's normally going to his right. You know, he's yeah. normally throwing. All and his he's going to his throw.
4: left. Yeah. Yeah.
12: That's, so for him made it it, more impressive. right, and it was not the right uh, side that that collapsed. He saw it on his blind side, skirted around that guy, then he pivoted and set. And saw Quez Watkins coming. I agree. Yeah. And I think it's funny too, because he was, um, I think before that, John, he was like 12 for 12 for 157 yards. Uh, yeah. So that was his first. Yeah. The Dallas Goddard play was his first incompletion for sure. But um, I don't know. He just looked like he was just playing within himself a little bit more, you know, and he, he was content to kind of like sit there, like let things materialize. And when he had to go, he had to go. But he also, to, to pair with that, there were times where he knew he wasn't going to get any of the artists and he kind of gave himself up. You know, and and didn't didn't push for that. He protected himself, I thought. And I mean, when you put when you combine all that, to me, I, I went through the list from last year and the year before, and I couldn't find a better game that he played. I mean, in Arizona in 2020, he put up some monster stats. I think he had like a 54 completion percentage. And last year, you know, he had some good games on the road, but to go head to head with with a decent quarterback um, and clearly be the the best guy on the night uh, on, in prime time. I mean, I thought that was a big a big step for him. And even his
3: INT was a ball that Kenneth Gainwell could have caught. It went right off yeah. his hands. Now, yeah. I thought it was a little ill-advised to throw it into the crowd that he did, but he put it on the money, and Gainwell's got to come down with that. And he
12: it did so, hit him on the hands. Yeah, it did hit him on the hands. Yeah, the, t- he- the timing of that looked a little bit off. And, I mean, on that one penalty, too, because people – I know a big topic was the illegal man downfield penalty, too. I think on the first one, the timing was just a little bit off on that. But, uh you know, that's stuff you pick up after a while. Maybe next time he comes around, he just you know throws it in the ground and you don't have that. So. All right,
3: uh, I do want to talk about, I'm going to borrow from my pragmatic partner here, uh, about the CEO coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Sirianni kind of flying under the radar. We've been giving Jane Steichen a ton of props today, deservedly Mm -hmm. so. Jonathan Gannon got a bunch as soon as the game ended because he went from being the most hated man in Philadelphia to a (laughs) conquering hero because he blitzed a little bit in game number two. And meanwhile, the head coach is the guy who's kind of pushing all the buttons. He's giving his lieutenants a lot of leeway, but he's the guy who's running the show. Are we not giving enough credit to the head coach of this? 2-0 Two and starting Philadelphia Eagle team.
12: Well, the sports books are because they've got him second now for coach of the year. I mean, I only—I know you're only two weeks in. Yeah. But the odds odds shift every week, and it, right now it's him and Mike McDaniel at the very top, which is crazy. But um,
1: that I think crazy. you have to. Wow. Yeah, I, I like think it, I think man. you have
12: to. Um, I, I think a very mature thing in leadership, uh, a skill that not everybody has, is the ability to take a step back and trust the people who are around you, you know, and let them do their jobs and you become more of an overseer. It's funny because I've kind of experienced this a little bit over the last year, because I got a, a promotion with the company that owns crossing broad. So I have a couple guys I'm responsible for, however you want to, however you want to label that. Right. You could be all, you could be, you know, up their butt every five seconds to them. Hey, do this, do that, do this. But you know, if you take a step back and you say, Hey, like we know this person's good. We hired this person for a reason. We believe in this person, like they're skilled, you know, like, take a step back, let people do what they've been hired to do and uh, let them flourish. You know, I think there's something to be said for that. I know people usually look at it as like a negative kind of thing. Cause they're like, well, he's less involved now and they're playing better. But no, I think sometimes like to, to remove yourself from the equation, um, you know, let people, let other people focus on what they've been hired to do um, that kind of lets them take off, you know? And he he's last year, Nick Sirianni was a first time head coach first time, play caller first time dealing with the media i mean he was taking so much onto his shoulders that sometimes the dispersal of responsibilities just streamlines everything and makes it run better you know so i think that's something that yeah. people got to focus on when they're when they're talking about the the, the divvying up of responsibilities this year
4: yeah and i'd love uh, jody knows i i've been advocating ceo coaches for a long time and it's so yeah. rare it makes no sense to me i mean because most of the nfl is set up really you have you have a a head coach who's really a coordinator that deals with the media more than, than the other coordinator who's sort of the assistant head coach. And you saw it here with Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz. Doug had nothing to do with the defense. I mean, nothing when I say nothing, I mean, a hundred percent nothing. So, (laughs) you know, when, when your name, as Nick Sirianni says, is on everything in the organization, and and this goes to Howie Roseman as well from his GM p- philosophy. Now he's he's like, if I'm going to get blamed for Jalen Rager, I might as well make the decision. Uh, that's that's Howie's yeah. philosophy. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure that's the best philosophy. This is not the best time to point out that that um, Howie is sort of taken on more responsibility. Mm. I th- mm. I think it was unique that. Um, he finally gave out the assistant GM tag. Like, he wouldn't give it to Joe Douglas. He wouldn't give it to Andy Wile, But he gave mm-hmm. it to Alec Hallaby, the analytics guy, and John Perrari, the football sort of rules guy. Um, he won't give it to a personnel guy. Yeah. Again, yeah. not the best time to say it, Kevin, but I don't think that's the best way to go long-term, whereas Nick Sirianni feels very comfortable in his own skin. Right, you want yeah. to give credit to Shane Steichen? Give credit to Shane Steichen. I think that's a very positive thing.
12: I, I think so too. And I think that you like at the very top, you need like a glue guy. You know, a, a head coach really has to play the role of like a like a utility kind of like pull pull it together kind of dude. Um Here's probably a stupid analogy. It could be a great analogy. Let me try it and we'll find out. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, when the Miami Heat won a couple titles back in the day, the stars were LeBron and Chris Bosch and D. Wade, you know, but they had Shane Battier on those teams too. And if you took that Miami Heat roster and you had them run a business, the best guy at the top to be the organizer and pull it all together and keep everybody working together probably would have been Battier you know, just because certain people have a skill set for uh, delineating and dividing up responsibilities and being organizers. You know, some people thrive at their certain thing, but they need to be put in an environment where they're able to do that. So oftentimes, the person above them becomes a shield for all the like corporate crapola, hey, I'll deal with the media, I'll deal with this email chain, I'll do this 10 o'clock meeting, so you don't have to. And you find out in which situations in which environments people are successful, and you put them in that environment. And you let them do their thing, you know. Um, so I think that's just as as important as anything, you know, is is knowing when to detach yourself as much as when to involve yourself. Yeah. You know, the push and the push and pull of like, hey, I'm going to get in and I'm going to put my hands on this versus I don't need to because I trust these guys. These guys are good. And I know what they're doing, and this is what we hired them to do.
3: No, oh, I, I like your
12: analogy a lot. It's a all right, too, good, good, a little too deep for
3: me. You know, it's oh man, I don't know why that was the first I, thing I, that
12: came to mind. Like Shane Batty, I was the first dude I thought of. That's pretty weird, but <laughs> yeah. I, I,
3: I believe you were right on point. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna make it a little bit more simplistic here. Carson Wentz, Sunday, booze and cheers. Yeah, he's gonna get them both, but will he be getting more booze from? The commander fans or the Eagle fans, because he's doing well, will he be yeah. getting more cheers from the commander fans or the Eagle fans who are going to be in the house? Cause they're going to be in the house down there in uh, DC because he's playing poorly. What's Carson's game look like after the fact?
12: Well, let me answer a question with a question. Do the, do the commanders really have any fans at this point <laughs> that are going that are going to be down there. I don't know how much they care. Um, it, I, it feels to me like it's going to be one of those Phillies Nationals games from 10 years ago where it was just like, you know, the, the ballpark was just filled with, with, with traveling supporters, you know. But, uh, I, yeah, I, mean, I think Carson's probably going to have a rough one, you know. I, I've always just been fascinated about that whole thing because I think, like, it's very hard to find middle-of-the-road takes when it comes to Carson. Like, people either hate his guts and think he's the worst guy on the planet you know some north dakota redneck or whatever and then the other half you know say hey there would be no super bowl if it wasn't for carson and what he did for those first you know 13 games i'm in that category uh, by the way uh, yeah so i think so no too super bowl. No, I think so too. I just don't, you know, and I I think, I think John, people have trouble separating what happened in 2017 versus then the drama of the the next few years. You know, I think we just have this like knee jerk reaction to lump all that together and evaluate it in like a, like a, a one big vacuum. But I I think when you split it out over a certain amount of years um, you know, indisputably Carson played a role in bringing this, this, team it's first super bowl ever you know so you have to respect that that's why i always drew the distinction too between like because people ask me they're like why do you guys go so hard after ben simmons but you don't go after carson the same way that you do him well because ben simmons like totally quit had nothing to do with yeah. winning a, winning a yeah. title here and you know was not playing at an mvp level in 2017 so i don't know i don't even know why i get those emails but they they come you know but i think he's gonna i think he's gonna have a rough one for sure but their their passing offense is low-key like pretty damn good and he's yeah got it has some, been so yeah, far. he's got some like diverse kind of different skills. Curtis set Samuel's back, yeah. He, yeah, been, I think it's he's yeah, think a high probably target guy.
4: Yeah,
12: yeah, probably be a little closer than people think. But I mean, if you're asking me from a crowd perspective, yeah, I think he's probably going to hear it from from both sides. How much
4: revisionist history do you think? We're going to get this week. I put out the tweet earlier when we talked. you know, everybody's so high on Jalen Hurts. When the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, it was to be a cost effective backup or an yeah. injury prone quarterback. Yeah, how many people go? Oh, the Eagles know what they were doing. Uh, how, how much revisionist
12: history do you think we're gonna? It's see? gonna be the Super Bowl of revisionist history. It's <laughs> gonna be like the, 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 a, the apex. of Yeah, <laughs> we keep it pretty, pretty uh, low key and like the crossing broad, like internal communications channel. But we will go go at each other when it comes to the Carson <laughs> Wentz stuff because we have a couple guys who just hate him and think he's the scum of the earth. And um, these are like otherwise, like pretty like low key, impartial kind of you know, jaded and burned out people just like me, you know, but um, <laughs> but they get they get like so worked up about Carson Wentz because they just like thought I, I guess they felt like they were sold a, a bill of goods or something. And I, I don't I don't know what it is. But yes, again, we have to go back and look at the moment. Nobody in during that draft thought that that was a good draft pick, you know, because even if Jay Jody hurt, liked it, Jody liked it. Okay, well he, he was, was in a very For, for the stated margin. reason, which yeah. I
3: couldn't believe that nobody could comprehend that they were just taking a backup quarterback. Yeah. And well, I mean, how many teams take a backup, backup quarterback, quarterback in the second in the second round?
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: I, I, Not, I, many. I, well, Not many. Not yeah. many.
12: Well, we don't have to relitigate all of that, but to the point, like, yes, I think it's gonna be the uh the, the Super Bowl of revisionist history just because everybody hadn't had an opinion about that. And uh I don't even think it's like a legit, I think it's like a Uh, I don't don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but it's not even really like a legit argument because they brought him in to be a backup and not to be the starter. You know, they were committed to Carson at that point. So it's not like it was a, you know pick between the two of those guys kind of thing yeah. luckily i'm off tomorrow and friday so i have removed myself <laughs> from, the, from the conversation you know
3: yeah but that gets you back in before sunday when the game happens so. i know i know,
12: um, I know. i'm know. i gonna have to do something on the site i'm sure
3: yes yeah and we'll be on the lookout for it yeah. kk always a pleasure appreciate whenever you hop on board with us thank you very much for doing so today and not don't tell uh forgot that i don't like him because i do i think he's good Oh, well, I need more well, Kincaid. I'm sorry. I, 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 no, I'm putting you to work, buddy. But I think no, you got to no. put out uh, some more posts.
12: We'll work on the ratio. It's football season. This is when everybody, every uh, sports media household in Philadelphia pays the bills, so I got to get back on it. I got to get that ratio up.
3: <laughs> yeah, forget one pass ratio. We need more uh, yeah. Kincaid ratio. More more content, yeah, yeah, Always yeah. a pleasure, thanks, KK. Thanks, buddy. thanks, yeah. Right, Kevin Kincaid here with his son, uh, Birds 365. And the one other thing about Uh, Carson Wentz and I'm well on the record about this and some people just refuse to accept this I'll, I'll go to you Judge McMullen I was a major Carson backer to start the 2020 season probably more so because people were so over the top in love with Nick Foles who yes we know delivered a Super Bowl should never have to buy a beer or a meal here in Philadelphia we all know it Nick Uh, accomplished. But the rest of Nick's career must also be acknowledged, which is inconsistent anywhere else other than Philadelphia, completely incompetent. But people refuse to acknowledge that Nick Foles is the greatest quarterback of all time. He's better than Tom Brady, which just annoyed the snot out of me. So I probably bent over backwards to defend Carson Wentz, just to fend off the – the in society that were putting him on a pedestal. Oh, I'm 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 with earth. you with
4: with those with the Foles people. I mean, I got so frustrated with the Foles people. Yeah, you bring up Tom Brady. I mean, come on, I I can't even argue with somebody who, and there are plenty of people who would say will he beat Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm Ooh, like, stop, played. please. We'll you You're just game.
3: Nick Foles did. Yeah. So because of that, it probably influenced my backing of Carson Wentz. And the fact that people tell me via on the phones, on social media, whatever, oh, you were such a customer. You can't now point out that he stinks. Oh yeah, I can. He stunk. He was the worst quarterback in the NFL in 2020. And what am I going to do? Just continue. Oh, I don't care. I I back cards yeah. No, at some point you got to let I, your eyes. I, th- I think it's funny. Deal, I stunk.
4: You know, I think it's funny when fans bring up. I just it just happened to me during the show i wrote something about jalen hurts never being able to throw for 300 plus yards and you know win a game and he did it on and they're you know clipping out an old column i think it's you know we do this stuff every day i think it's funny that people think we don't think we're wrong i mean you're saying things i'm wrong all the time oh, i get stuff wrong about. i mean wins. you you say something Uh, on, on, you know, on a daily basis, you're not going to get everything right. You're not pointing out something I don't know. I don't, you know, we give our opinion at the time of the opinion and players prove it to be correct. I think I get more stuff right than I get wrong, but I get stuff wrong all the time. I thought Ryan – I say that my biggest one, and I say it all the time because I'm always above board, if anything. I thought Ryan Leap was going to be better than Peyton Manning. That's a miss, Jody. Yeah, That's, it, a I mean, miss. That's a, a miss. big miss. That's a big matzo that, ball, as Jerry Seinfeld would say. That's a big one. Yeah, that, um, that one
3: never really had yeah, a chance of we, we,
4: we all get stuff wrong. Um, it, it, It's, you know, I never saw Carson Wentz's 2020 coming. I say it all the time. Why would you? Now, I thought he was never going to be the same player, and I know you got to get out of here, Jody. But I didn't see twenty twenty coming. He was a, an effective quarterback in his cut. Uh, uh, he, he, as Mike Gill pointed out earlier, he played pretty well in Indianapolis. He's playing pretty well now. Not great, but he's not playing like twenty twenty Carson Wentz. He's playing like a starting quarterback. Certainly, my biggest concern
3: coming into 2020 for Carson Wentz was, can he stay healthy? Not, can he be okay. a competent quarterback? I didn't even think that was on the table, yeah. and he wasn't even a competent quarterback. All right, J-Mac. Yeah, I got to run. I got to go do some radio work. So, uh, you and Tom going to take it home. You and me back here tomorrow in uh,
4: 22 hours. You up? Yeah two a little bit more than two and two for you two two and 15 minutes
3: johnny mack and tom coming back to put out a bow in the show here on birds 365
5: go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes
7: Action News at Eleven with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at Eleven with Rick Williams.
8: Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently.
9: Go first! <laughs>
11: thing down without the legendary jody mack john man you know a lot of hype around these philadelphia eagles you know since jalen hurts has i guess quote-unquote ascended and taking his game to another level you know but like you said you said something really interesting earlier on that eventually the test will come there's going to be an opponent they may not be technically better or maybe better from a talent perspective but they're going to be tested in some sort of way. How do you think the Philadelphia Eagles will be tested going forward? Where do you think the weakness lies?
4: Well, that, you know, you would argue in the first two weeks they haven't shown a weakness. Uh, But I I think if you look, if you sort of peel the onion back, you saw some of the weaknesses against Detroit in the fact that um, they did struggle with some of the pressure. Um, But Jalen Hurts was was able to um, do things himself off schedule um, the, the, the ability to, to beat the lines with his legs. So it's going to be that sort of plan buttoned up with an ability to keep Jalen hurts in the pocket, at least a little bit better. Um, so I would, I would think it's going to come and, and and Todd and I, go back to the playoff game in Tampa Bay. Todd Bowles gave the best example of this. Um, What you want to do is um, keep him in the pocket as much as possible. Force him to throw the football rather than run the football. And to do that, you probably need to have linebackers like Tampa Bay. You need to have one guy who can spy Jalen Hurts. You need guys who can run from sideline to sideline. So you need... You need it a lot, but I think people are really, really excited about the passing acumen Jalen Hurts, and I get it. It was tremendous, but that's going to be the worst coverage the Eagles see all year, and I'm I'm saying that in week two. It's not going to get worse than that. It, it really isn't. Five-point, I gave you the numbers from next-gen stats. Those numbers are not normal. Uh, So I do think you have to add that into the mix and say, you know, part of it was Jalen making good throws, quick decisions, definitive decisions, confidence in himself. But part of that was also tied to the fact that the coverage by the other end was so poor. And generally, you're not going to see that in the NFL.
11: True. And, you know, it's to be expected that Defenses are going to get sharper. Teams are going to get better as the season goes. But it's also fair to suggest that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to become better. They're going to become sharper. They're going to begin to clean up the mistakes that we have seen. So how good can this Philadelphia Eagles team really be with Jalen Hurts starting to figure it out?
4: Well, they're the number one ranked offense in the NFL, 470 yards a game, whatever it is. I mean, can they keep that pace up? I don't, I don't think so. It would be in a, a historic pace um, if they do. Um, they have, I think, the best offensive line in football. I think they have certainly a top five receiving group. I think they can run the ball effectively at will. A lot of that has to do with Jalen Hurts. They have everything to be a successful offense. So it comes down to the consistency uh, from week to week. They should be difficult to stop. Um, And that's what we have to see with Jalen Hurts from week to week. That's the final step. Is it consistent from week to week throwing the football? Um, Doesn't have to be like it was against Minnesota. That's unrealistic. But if the throws are there, can he make the throws? Um, early he has um, 17 games, long time consistency is the hallmark of great quarterbacks.
11: So I know you and Jody love the exercises, right? And I know you guys have the infamous exercise where you pick, you know, pick the amount of wins you think the team will have. And depending on the situation, has it, has it gone up for you? Has it dropped? You know, has it, has, has 11 wins become 12 wins? Has 11 wins become 10 wins? Right. And, let's say hypothetically this team continues to stay sharp and Jalen Hurts continues to stack these days, right? At what point in the season are you willing to move your needle?
4: Oh, I've already moved my needle. My needle was pointing down. It's now pointing up. Um, okay. a, A number of reasons. Um, the schedule looks even easier than it did when it started, uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, Talk about Washington this week. No Chase Young. You talk about uh, Arizona. Uh, no DeAndre Hopkins suspended. You talk about uh, Dallas. Is Dak Prescott going to be back? Jerry Jones is trying to push him back, but is he going to be back and be Dak Prescott? Um, a lot of things have, have, have tilted the Eagles' way already. The division stinks even more than I thought it did. Uh, because Dallas is is not as tough as it looked on paper. Um, so it's definitely trending up. Um, and look, if you can, this is the favorite. You know, Kevin Kincaid mentioned Nick Sirianni's now second for coach of the year. Jalen Hurts is fourth for MVP in, in the betting odds now. Or, or tied for third, actually, I think.
11: Yeah, um, I read it was Super third.
4: Bowl. Yeah. Tied for third. Uh Super Bowl, you know, this is now a a relevant team when it comes to the betting market. Because they're seeing everything we're seeing and the fact that, well, this division is not great. Um some of the teams, you know, a lot of people said I thought they'd be one and one. Um, I thought they'd lose a game. Now they still might in those first three games. I said, they're going to lose one of them. Um, they almost lost in Detroit. They blew out Minnesota. Now you have Washington. Um, if they get the 3-0, and then you're going to see it really ramp up. Um, I, I, I hesitate because um, that was such a poor game plan for Minnesota. I don't know. I still don't know. Days after... I still don't know what they were trying to accomplish. Really quickly, um,
11: was that the same game plan? I mean, there's no same game plan for any given team, but was it a similar game plan that they implemented against Aaron Rodgers? Because I, I watched that Minnesota team against Aaron Rodgers, and I personally don't think they were doing anything spectacular.
4: No, but the thing was Green Bay didn't have their starting tackle. So David Bakhtiari was out. El, 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 Elgin Jenkins was out. Um, um, and those are good players. And all of a sudden, so they were playing backup tackles and Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith could get home um, or at least pressure Aaron Rodgers. Um, this week you show up and it's Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata and you don't change. It's exactly what I was talking I gave JG a ton of credit because, you know, people are like blitz, blitz, blitz. That's another concern of mine. And he, he, he saw Minnesota and their weakness and Garrett Bradbury and said, I'm going right at it. Now, people expect him to do that every week. You can't do that every week. You don't have that weakness every week. Um, So, you know, it's about the opponent you're playing this week, and that's the Washington Commanders. Now you have to come up with a plan to take advantage of their weaknesses, and we'll see if the Eagles can do it.
11: There There you have you guys. You know, he's John McMillan. I'm Tony DeShields. The second you guys are watching Birds 365, you know at the end of the day, your Philadelphia Eagles have started the season off well, and they have shown that they're capable of putting up big numbers on offense. And the defense has shown that they're capable of limiting a top-tier weapon such as Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. But the road will only get tougher. And if you ask me. The early part of the season is where the emotional roller coaster is. You had the Carson Wentz drama. You had the Doug Peterson. You have Doug Peterson's return to Philadelphia. You had the season opener in Detroit with that ruckus environment. Um, you have the Dallas Cowboys first matchup. Um, you have a road game against Colin Murray, Jalen Hurts always gets compared to that guy. So I think most of the emotionally tied games were early on in the season. And it's entirely plausible this Philadelphia Eagles team can um <laughs> believe it or not, it's very possible they can go into the bye six 0 but let's not. Get ahead of ourselves, everyone, one game at a time. This week, they have the Washington Commanders, like our host John McMillan said. And, you know, we'll see how it it pans out. But we appreciate you guys for locking in on the content. Next, we have the football playbook with Rick Ceratella. Make sure you guys are locked in on Jacob Sports. Smash the like button. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the content. Continue to stay engaged because Jacob Sports has you covered. Uh, John, any final words?
4: Uh, no, just turn the page. Forget about uh, uh, the big win on Monday night. Time to focus in on the Washington Commanders. This is a real rivalry week. Um, and NFC East games are, are going to be a little bit tougher than expected because the teams know each other so well.
11: Hey, there you have you guys. He's John McMullen. I'm Tony to show us the second filling in for Jody Mack. Keep it locked, you guys. You were locked in on Burgers 365. We'll see you guys in
2: two and two you've been listening to birds 365 the destination for the passionate eagles football fan who bleeds green if it's eagles football we're